This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parsifal, everybody, 5784. So here's the Pusik that we're going to be working on today. It's Parak Chafchas Pusik Yud Bez. It says, You should place the two stones. These were annex stones. Avne Shom, although Targum Yonason seems to say that they were pearls of some sort. He used the word Margalia, which in theory is Margalit, right? Which is a pearl. Or it's just another name for an onyx stone. Al-Kisa Ephod, he put them on the shoulders of the Ephod. They would have been the shoulder blades right around over here, connecting the Choshen to the Ephod behind him, the backwards apron that was behind him. Avnezi Karun, they were stones of memory, Libanay Yisrael, for all Libanay Yisrael. Venelsa Aaron is Shmosel and Finash Amal Shtek Sefab with Zikaron. And Aaron carried their names in front of Akarish Baruchu on his two shoulders as, again, as a Zikaron. There's a lot of questions in this Pesach. Number one, what does that mean that is a Zikaron for Bnei Yisrael? Like a Kaddish Baruch is going to forget us? Number two, it's so important that the Pesach says that twice. Le Zikaron is mentioned two times over here. Then the other idea is, is that what exactly does it mean that a Kaddish Baruch, that HaKadosh Baruch who tells Aaron that when he's standing, he should be carrying the names of the Shatam, the Kisvea Ephod. Now granted, the names were engraved in each one of the stones, six on one, six on the other, but what exactly is this referring to over here, that when he went into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, it's as if HaKadosh Baruch who was reading the names and said, oh right, Ruvain. Oh yeah, Levi. Like that, that seems a little bit strange in and of itself. So what exactly is this? So I once heard that the shoulders are the separation of the body. That's where the body starts to separate, where arms go from one or the other. That it goes one up until that point, and that's the separation of the body itself. Right? The beged, the beged of the kisvea ephod was made, this idea, was made to connect the body together. For Achdus, right? Yosef at Tzadik was the one to bring them all together in Mitzrayim, and thus the stones on his shoulders were Avnei Shoham. That's the stone of Yosef at Tzadik on the Choshen that he had. And Yosef is buried in the city of Shechem, which again can be the shoulders, and that's the connection between all of them. All of that works, but there's got to be something else behind it. Now the word Shmosam over here is spelled with a full Vav. The Rabbeinu Yoel says that this is because their names should be written fully on these stones in order for them to be effective, which shows that it's seriously important for all of the names of the Shvatim to be there. It couldn't be Reish for Ruvain or Shin for Shimon, even though we know exactly what that is. It's not like a Ditzach Adash B'Achav type of a thing. No, all the names must be there. The names are even spelled out in full. Binyamin is with both Yod. Zvulin is with Avav, right, that's in it. Each one of them is spelled out the way that they are during the Torah itself, and that's what's hinted to by the extra vav in that word shmosam. What exactly is that coming to teach us? Okay, I'm just going to... Do you guys remember the throat thing that I had? I might need water, okay? So I'm just... Uh, Shlomo, if you don't mind just grabbing a thing of water. Yeah, I'm probably going to need it at some point. Thank you so much. So you might think it's unfair, like especially if you're looking at the shoulders, that you think like, well, six shvatim made it onto the right shoulder, which is chesed, and then six shvatim made it onto the left shoulder, which is midas din. And you might think to yourself, well, that's kind of weird. Why in the world would some of the shvatim be on the right and the left. And we do have this concept by Har Grisim and Har Evil, the good mountain, right? Har Grisim and Har Evil, where you had that. Thank you so much, Matthew. So you have those 
it's a possibility. There are some ideas that you might think to yourself, like, oh man, we're missing something here. There's something that's wrong. But the Panim Yafo says it's only because we don't think of it in the terms of perspectives. Meaning the perspective of the Kohen and where he was standing, yes, some of the Shvatim were on the right and the other ones were on the left. If you look at, so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu opposite the Kohen Gadol, then that means he's looking at the ones on the left as his right and the ones on his right as his left. For example, when you bow by Oseh Shalom Ben Ramav, Hu Yaseh Shalom Aleinu Ve'alkol Yisrael Ben Ramav, at the end of Shemona Esrei, right? You take your three steps back. Where do you go for Oseh Shalom Ben Ramav? Right? Go ahead. Where do you got? Oseh Shalom Ben Ramav, Hu Yaseh Shalom why are you bowing to your left first and then to your right? Now, by Yivarecha Hashem Yishmarecha, for those who have that minhug, the Vilna Gon says you're supposed to go Yivarecha Hashem Yishmarecha, Yarashem Panavelacha Vichunaka, and then Yisa, you don't do anything at all. So the idea is the same way. You're bowing to the right because that's your side of Chesed, but it's also the left side of Akarish Baruch And one has to think about that, that perspective wise, it's on the opposite way. See, each one of them were equal in their Avodas Hashem, right, says the Panim Yafos. It didn't matter if you were on the right hand or the left hand side. Each one represents for the chesed of one side, the side of Aaron or the side of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the idea behind it. Now, again, why in the world does HaKadosh Baruch Hu need a zikaron for us? Why does he have to remember? Why does he have to remember that we exist? As if that's something that's holding HaKadosh Baruch Hu back from giving us everything that we have over here. And Rashi says straight out, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will remember the Shvatim written on the stones. He'll remember their righteousness. The Sforno adds HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to give us Rachamim. Because of their schus, that's just strange. What in the world is the message here? So the Mizrahi says that the point of this Rashi was simple. It's that one shouldn't think that these stones were made for our own to remember Hashem. It's not for our own's sake that he has to remember them, as might be mashma from the beginning of the Pasuk, Avnei Zikaron Bnei Yisrael, could mean that our own had to remember Bnei Yisrael. Don't think that way. It's just the opposite. The stones did not contain any Shemos that Aaron had to remember, just the names of the Shvatim. There was nothing for him to remember. Aside from that, says the Moscow of David, it couldn't be to remember the Shvatim, right? Because Aaron, first of all, would remember the people on his own, right? Aside from that, the Kisve Eupold were the worst places to put them because that's the part that he wouldn't be able to see. They were up here. That wouldn't be a smart thing. You'd put them on the Choshen, which you have anyway. That's where the names would go. And number three, right? The Pusik says, Hashem. It's a zikaron in front of Hashem. It has nothing to do with our own. So the Moscow David says it can't be that way. We're going to see there are others that argue on that, but that's where Rashi comes up with, with his idea. Regardless, we don't have, we have to make sense of all this. Why in the world is there a remembrance in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? As if there's no way. So I found four technical answers to this question. Some of them are a little bit more in depth, and we could explain it a little bit more in depth at some point. But for right now, there are four different answers. The first one I'm giving is from the Efei Toar and the Medrash Rabbah. The Efei Toar and the Medrash Rabbah says that obviously a Kaddish Baruch Hu does not need a reminder whatsoever. When the Kohen Gadol does the Avoda, wearing these clothes, the clothes of the Kohen Gadol, the schus of the Shvatim would be raised in front of Hashem and their merits would cause Bnei Yisrael to get a good judgment from above. It's so to speak like a proclet, which means a Malach that is a defender of Klau Yisrael, that is made by our own mitzvos, going up in front of Hashem and saying, now give it to them. They deserve 
it now. Right? That's the idea of Hanan. Not that a Baruch Hu needs a remembrance of us, not that there's a memory that needs to come up, but rather when it happens in front of him and it's right there, it's almost that's when a Baruch Hu set up the system that that's when Midas HaChased and Midas HaRachamim comes into play and even Midas Adin is Maskim. Midas Adin says even though they might not deserve it, it's Maskim. When you bring up the Schuss of the Shvatim, I am going to do X. And that's exactly what this is. This is the way of how a Kaddish Baruch Hu set up the world that you invoke the names of the Shvatim as well as the names of the Avos, you will be answered. And that's an amazing schus that we have, being the children of the Avos. But that's how the Efei Torah puts it. It is in the system to be able to go that way. Hold on, Shlomo. Okay, Ayelis HaShachar says the mitzvah of writing the names of the Shvatim on the shoulder stones was a schus. And it was the mitzvah that reminded Hashem that they should be rewarded. Every mitzvah, technically, was a reminder of that. And maybe that's the idea behind it as well. That that mitzvah of the Kohen Gadol wearing the Kuna Gadol, which was a very big expense, and it was a lot for Klai Yisrael to do, but the fact that they did it may have been enough to give them that extra schus. Then it's Siv, third answer, says, Stam Zikaron by Hashem is Mamela considered a bracha. I think that's similar to the answer of the Feitor, but not exactly. And we see it from a hollow. Hashem zecharanu yivarech. When Hashem remembers us, there's automatically a bracha. So we try to allow that zikaron to happen one after the other in order to receive that bracha immediately. And the Malbim adds that this was to show a Baruch who is considered one with us. Yisrael velreisa v'kudshabrichu chadhu. When we have something that happens to us, so to speak, it happens to a Baruch Hu as well. And that causes a Hashem that if we are the ones that are in Gullus, then a Baruch Hu, so to speak, is in Gullus. When we're the ones who are degraded, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is degraded. And that reminds Hashem, what will you do for your name which is partnered with ours? That partnership will allow HaKadosh Baruch Hu to remember, oh right, I have to help Klal Yisrael. And that's the idea of the Zikaron for B'nai Yisrael. So all four of those are an idea of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs. Again, all of it within the system that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has set up, that Zikaron does something different. Shlomo, what are you going to ask? The Khoshan was more for the abilities for Klau Yisrael to see what was going on. And that wasn't necessarily meant to be. It was supposed to be the letters that allowed them to get the message from a Baruch Hu, sort of like a classic Ouija board, right, with all the letters right there in front of them. So it wasn't for that purpose. These were made specifically for Zikaro. That's the first answer. But yeah, two. Some, maybe some of them won't, but you're right, you're right, obviously. We're wondering if this is the only answer or if there are others, but there are four answers. One of, especially the second one, right, the Ayala Sashaka would certainly be able to work, probably also the Nitziv as well, right? Both of those would work with that. That the Zichronenu also counts for a bracha to be able to remind us of a Baruch So I still think that works over there. The Barbanel gives a different answer though. He says he's not, it's not talking about God remembering us, because obviously that's unnecessary and seems a little bit silly. Instead, the Abarbanel says, it's to remind Aaron who he was doing this for. What are you doing the Avoda for? And for him to remember at all times, so to speak, and I know it sounds a little bit weird, for him to look 
from one shoulder to the other and realize Klal Yisrael is on my shoulders. Really, that's what it's all about. He's davening for Bnei Yisrael. He's speaking about them constantly. He's dealing with them. That allowed him to have Ruach HaKodesh and Nevuah in a better fashion because it's not only about him. It's about all of Klal Yisrael and what he was doing for their behalf. This is especially potent when doing something like Birchas Kohanim, where when the Kohanim go up there, they're supposed to be thinking about the Shvatim of Klal Yisrael and supposed to be thinking about the different people that they're blessing. So when Aaron lifted up his arms to his shoulders, I don't know what it means exactly because I, although the Quantum nowadays for Berchas Quantum lift their hands to their shoulders, back in the day in the base of Mikdash they used to raise their hands straight up and they showed the Meitzitz Minacherakim from the five. I don't want to do the whole thing, but they put their hands up from the shoulders, obviously. But I, I, it sounds like the Abarbanel saying like that, and I don't think that's what he means. But either regardless, when Aaron lifted up his hands above his shoulders to bless the people, his hands were spread out. His hands were shaped into a Shem Shakai, which is a whole thing in and of itself, like how that's the Shin Dalid Yud, which is another thing for another time. And he blessed them using the Shem Mephorish. He was hinting to this idea by Vinosa Aaron. That the Nesiyas Kapayim is like that, and that's the Zikaron. It's a Zikaron for our own. The Moscow David was trying to take away from that, but a Moscow for him. And Aksava Kabbalah, I believe, says the exact same thing. They're both in the same vein. They're both saying that exact idea. Ramosha Feinstein in Korum says this is the job for every coin gadol. And we know this. The job of every coin gadol is to be responsible for the people. When a coin gadol dies, Anybody that killed Bishogig and is in Gullus and in Ir Miklat goes free. Why is it up to the Kohen Gadol's death? Because the Kohen Gadol says the Gemara did not daven that such a thing should not happen in his lifetime. Just giving this an example. Does anyone here know anyone who has ever killed someone Bishogig? I mean, remember, it has to be in a downward motion. Right? And you didn't mean to do it. It can't be Karl Lamezit. It can't be what's it called? An, uh, it can't be somebody who's an Onis. It can't be. The killing Bishogig was a rarity beyond a rarity. Beyond a rarity. Even now, I remember my dad sending me an article like 10 years ago about a guy who was climbing up a ladder, slipped, fell off, and fell on his son, unfortunately, and killed his son. And he called me up and he was like, he called me up. He's like, look, we have a case of Makos. And he's like, no. Because if you're climbing up a ladder, that's not Derech Yerida. So he wouldn't be Chayv Gullus in that case. You go to Gullus, and then after a basin calls you, and they try to figure out if you were somebody who was Horik Bishogig. But even that wouldn't be in the case. I've never even heard of a case of somebody who's Horik Bishogig. You have to be climbing down the ladder. As going down is even a Shaila in the Gemara. If your foot is going up in order to get to the next rung, but it's going down on top of the rung, is that considered a Derech Irida? And then you slip and you fall. Is that considered Derech Aliyah, Derech Irida? But going up the ladder for sure would be considered Derech Aliyah, and that's not enough to get there. I haven't heard of a case Bishogi ever, which means that if it does happen, then the Kohen Gadol is somewhat at fault. Look, this is the burden of the Kohen Gadol. And that's a problem. That is a major, major problem. It's why he carries the names of all of Klal Yisrael, literally, on his shoulders, to daven for them constantly. He failed to do so. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. That's exactly what he had to daven for and exactly what he was supposed to be responsible for. And that is the responsibility of any leader. You're a leader of a city. You're a leader of a shul. You're a leader of a yeshiva. You've got a class to give. Anything like that. You're davening for your students. There's a famous line where Rav Shach, I, I, I can't remember exactly what the story is and I didn't look it up before and so I apologize. But Rav Shach had a couple, uh, two Russian yeshiva came into him to talk to him about a, a Bukhar in the yeshiva that they felt should be kicked out of yeshiva. So he sat there and after he heard it for a little bit, he said to them, what's the name of the Bukhar so I can daven for him? 
and they turned to each other, the Rosh Yeshiva, and they're like, we don't know his name. And he looked at them and he's like, you murderers, you rotschim, murderers. You're trying to kick him out of yeshiva, you haven't even davened for him? How in the world have you not shed tears on this bachar before you decided to kick him out of your yeshiva? And it's an amazing thing to think about. Like, how is that possible? How is it possible that you have that responsibility and you haven't done it? And you haven't davened in that way? That's the idea that Ramosha Feinstein says. Yes, the coin gobble is absolutely, and therefore, yes, he needs a zikaron. It might sound silly, and as Shlomo said before, he has the names on the Hoshin right there in front of him. He shouldn't need the Avnezi Karon, but if they're made specifically for that purpose, that every time he walks, he feels the shoulder pads, the huge stones that are weighing down on his shoulders, and he realizes, I have a burden. I have a burden that I have to take care of. That's what I'm supposed to do. He has Klau Yisrael on his shoulders. The Ber Yosef, interestingly, in a very large piece, says that each shoulder represents something different. The right shoulder reminds the coin to daven for the Ruchnius of Klau Yisrael, while the left shoulder reminds him to daven for the Gashmius of Klau Yisrael. He's responsible for both shoulders, both of them. The Megillah, Gemar Megillah, Chassam and Aleph, says that when one says the word Alai, as in making a nether, so it's on me to do X, Y, and Z. It's keman de toin akaspe dummy. It's like he's putting something on his shoulders. Clearly, the concept of shouldering a burden means you're taking full responsibility for anything that happens. And that's the concept of a coin gadol. A coin gadol can't shirk that responsibility. A coin gadol has everything for that responsibility. And that's what it means specifically on the shoulders as opposed to the chest, as opposed to any other part of the body. That's the idea behind it. And finally, the Ksam Sofer in Taurus Moshe said, someone who is osik bitzibor should always be doing so l'shem shemaim. And then, schus avosam misayatam. You start doing it l'shem shemaim, this schus avos is going to be there. You're going to have the merit of the avos that's going to help you. There's a tremendous reward at that point where it says, if you did it yourself, yourselves with your own schus, you were able to do it yourself. And that's the zikaron livnei Yisrael. When the masa is on his shoulders, the coin gobble knows that it's only through schus avos, in this case, the shvatim, that was allowing him to carry through and to do what he needed to do. That's a beautiful board, an absolutely beautiful board. And then interestingly, the River Victor Miller kind of ties the two together with Rashi saying that it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu that needs the Zikaron. And these Achronim, the Abarbanel starting, you know, starting with the Abarbanel, saying that it's really about the <coughs> Kohen Gadol. He says the Kohen Gadol represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a way. HaKadosh Baruch Hu bears everyone on his shoulders, meaning takes on the responsibility of the world, so to speak, and has those names of the Shvatim and the Avos with him always. And that means in order to emulate Hashem, which is our job to do everything that we would expect something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would do in this situation, we have to emulate Hashem by saying the same thing. We should constantly be thinking about Achenu Kol Beis Yisrael. Listen, our Philos are written in the way that they are for a reason. It's not slach li, right? It's not hashiveini. It's not rifoeini. It's not reavionyeini. It's all in plural because you're not just davening for yourself and your family or just the immediate surroundings, your immediate environs. You're davening for Klau Yisrael at the exact same time. Wherever they are, whatever they're doing, we're davening for them constantly. And in addition, right, although it sounds crude a little bit, it's, Victor Miller says, He's, daven, he's 
thinking about us more than he is about the other nations. Meaning the other nations are also important. The other nations definitely have a job. But since Matan Torah, since we were chosen, that means that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is looking at us more than any other nation. And although, yes, that sounds a little bit un-PC in this world, and it's true, but that was our responsibility from Harsinai. The fact that he's paying attention to us more also means, and it's not necessarily such a good thing, that also means we're directly responsible for our sins. There are things that we've done wrong that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is going to mun on us. He's going to take on us, right? Because we should have been better. And when we're not, then yes, we end up being punished for it. That's the concept of Revictor Miller. To have us on the mind of the coin Gadol means to have us on the mind of a Kaddish Baruch Hu constantly. And they're both together. There's an interesting one. There's an Igor de Kala. This is the Bnei Saskar of Dinov. He says, the Zohar says... There's certain things about certain stones. White stones, for example, have a hashpah of chesed. They have an influence of chesed in the world. Well, red stones have a hashpah of midas adin. There's what to talk about with everything. And we had a shear on this not too long ago regarding the stones of the Choshen and what each stone represented according to the Rabbeinu Bechaya and the different things out there, which, interestingly enough, if anybody ever wants to go to the Field Museum, if you go up, you know what I'm talking about, in the second floor right by the meteors and the meteorites right around there, if you go a little bit further, right, it's actually all meteorites because they came to Earth. So it's all meteorites. If you go a little bit further and you turn to the right, there's the Hall of Gemstones. In the Hall of Gemstones, they have a computer image little right there and they have all the gemstones all around. They show you the stones of the Choshen and their ideas of what the stones of the Choshen might be. And they have them, although not exactly in the order of the 12 stones. They tell you where everything is. If anybody goes to the Field Museum, I give a zoo tour on it. Uh, field museum tour, like not too long ago, and I use this. It's an amazing thing. They have quite a few of the actual thing. They go from ruby to emerald to crystal, whatever, if those are the actual stones, right? And everything out there, it's a really cool thing. So the Igor de Kalo says every stone has something. Again, the white stone is chesed, the red stone is yira, gvura, etc. But then he asks, like, the Igor de Kalo says, why do we need to know this? Who cares? what each stone represents. And he says, because every stone shows something from Shemayim, that a person needs to be stronger in his derech avoda, in the way that he serves a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It could be that every person would see their stone. It would remind them of what they had to work on in the Ravodas Hashem. And that's the idea of what the Choshen represented. Each one were there. There were literally Avnezi Karan Livnei Yisrael. Now, I didn't quite get where the where the Igritakala was going with this, because he's clearly talking about the stones of the Choshen and then calling them Avne Zikaron Livnei Yisrael, when the Avne Zikaron Livnei Yisrael is really the stones on top. My thought processes, and what I think he means to say is, is that each person saw their stones individually on the shoulders of the Kohen Gadol, and that each one looked at them and they saw, this is what I need to do, I need to work on this. Like Reuben working on the red, and Shimon working on the green, and Levi working on the white, and whatever it is, and each person had their thing. And then the recognizing of where they were on the shoulders, that they were together, right, on each one of the shoulders of the Kohen Gadol, recognizing that they still had to work with the rest of Klau Yisrael. They had their individual jobs, and they had their jobs as the Klau as a whole together. I feel like that's where the, 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 the what's it called, the Igor de Kala was going with this, and he was putting it together in that way. I can't tell you for sure, because it's very cryptic, and I can't tell you that's a, exactly what he's saying, but I think that's the idea behind it. The Shlach Kadosh says in Parshish Bechukos, 
Musai, right? That's where the Tochacha is, the Musr that Moshe Rabbeinu gave in Esau, the first bit of Musr that was in the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the 49 curses, seven sets of seven curses each. All that is Bichukosai. The Tochacha concludes with the Pasuk Bezacharti Espris Yaakov, the Af Espris Yitzchak, the Af Espris Yavram Eskor, the Aretz Eskor. That's toward the end of the Tochacha. Usually, you know, there's a minug for the Bali Kriya that when they read through the, the Tochacha, they usually go fast and they go in an undertone. When they get to this Pasuk, Vizacharti, usually they raise their voice and they go a little bit slower to show that it's not part of the muster of Klai. So there's something there. Listen to this Shlach He says that's also part of the muster Because you cannot compare a Russia ben Russia to a Russia ben Tzadik. A Russia ben Tzadik had someone to learn from. A Russia ben Russia did not. We are all Rishayim b'nei Tzadikim. We do terrible things, but we're the sons of Tzadikim, and that means it's worse for us. The expectations are higher for us. The former could claim that he never knew. A Russia ben Russia, what was he supposed to know? How was he supposed to figure it out? But a Russia ben Tzadik can't claim that. It's in our DNA already. We should have learned from everybody, and therefore the punishment becomes worse. The Divri Yecheskel says that's exactly the point of these Avnei Zikaron. It's really for Klau Yisrael. And that's sort of, I guess, what the Igor de Kala is saying as well. The stones reminded B'nai Yisrael where they came from. The Shvatim, the Avos HaKidoshim. That's where they came from. Such thoughts would stop them from doing anything bad. Because they understood, when we remember what the stones mean to us, meaning what the Avos and what the, the, the Banim, their children, mean to us, that's when HaKadosh Baruch remembers why he loves us. That's why he's Mashpia Koltuv to us. I later saw this exact same idea in the Ksav Sofer. From the Divri Chasko boss on the Ksav Sofer, he says it's a Zikaron Lebnei Yisrael Mamish and later a Zikaron Lashem. So that explains why there's two Zikarons in the Pusik. Zikaron Lebnei Yisrael, literally, it's a Zikaron for Bnei Yisrael to recognize their own awesomeness and what they had to do. And then it's also Zikaron for Akarish Parhu, Lipnei Hashem. And that explains both parts of the Pusik. That's the Ksav Sofer. I didn't see that in the Divri Chasko. Now the Rabbeinu Yol then says that the two stones, perfectly represent the two luchos. You obviously have two luchos that came down with Moshe Rabbeinu from our Sinai. The Oznayim Torah says anyone who took upon themselves the luchos and was macabre to keep what the luchos said, meaning the Torah properly, right, unlike the rest of the world, would be zoche to be like the Kohen Gadol who carries the stones of the Big Day Kuna on his shoulders. That's his schus, and that's our schus. And maybe just knowing that Kohen Gadol was doing so would remind them what they themselves would have to do. And again, same idea. It's not for a Kaddish Baruch Hu to remember us. It's not for our own Kohen to remember us. It's for us to remember it ourselves. For us to put it out there that we should always remember to try to get ourselves through the hardships of life to understand that that's part of what Hashem is trying to do. The Alshech says this stands for the great reward for those who take Torah upon their shoulders and are never mevatel from it. Who decide to do it constantly. That the great punishment awaiting those who are mevatel Torah. Because again, if the luchos are represented by the Avnei Zikaron and every person in Bnei Yisrael is responsible to learn at some point in their life, hopefully many, many times in their lives, that's the idea of the great reward slash punishment that comes along with it. The Tosefes Bracha, where Baruch Epstein says that this is the idea of what Malachi says in Parag Gimel Pasig Zayin, Shuvu Eilai Vashuva Aleichem. 
It's return to me first, says a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Do something for me. Come back. And then I, says a Kaddish Baruch Hu, I will be able to get back to them. So to speak, you remember a Kaddish Baruch Hu and Hashem remembers you back. The Baal Shem Tov calls this the concept of called Hashem Tzilcha. Hashem is your shadow. Hashem does what you do. You act in a certain way, God acts right back at you. You act with Chesed, Hashem acts with Chesed. You act with Din, Hashem acts with Din. And that's the idea behind it. Interestingly, the Miyam Lois brings it down. It's from the Shach. That right before Yaakov Inu passed away, called together all the Shatim. There's also a Gemara in Psachim, uh, Nundalit, I believe, Nundalit Aleph. Called together all the Shatim and asked them if they had a Muna in a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Did they believe in Hashem? It's interesting because he quotes it a little bit differently from the Gemara. But regardless, right, is your Muna in a Kaddish Baruch Hu complete? They all answered with the words, Shema Yisrael, listen, Father Yaakov. Right? Apparently, by the way, that Yisrael was not an actual name of Yaakov Avinu, because they wouldn't have been able to say their father's name in front of his face. So apparently Yisrael was like a special name given to him, something that would have been something that's more than just a name. But Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Just like you, our father, have no doubt that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is one and is with us at all times, we feel the exact same way. Yaakov Inu heard that and immediately responded with the famous words, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchusel Lolam Boed, which do not appear in the Torah, and Moshe Rabbeinu did not quote whatsoever, but Yaakov Inu came up with those words and said them, and that's what the Malachim prays in Shemayim. Yaakov then told them, that their names should be inscribed on the stones of the aphod to remind HaKadosh Baruch Hu that deep down, B'nai Yisrael will never be idol worshippers. There may be times where B'nai Yisrael felt the need or felt the desire to worship idols, but that's not who we are, that's never who we are. Engraved on the stones of the Choshen, representing the Luchos, showing who Kla Yisrael was, was just this. And that's why the Zikaron appears twice. Once for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and again, once for the people, said the people remember their job and it's not to do anything different. Now, interestingly, the Rashi tape is of the words Shisha Mishmosam Al Ha'evan Achos. Six of their names were on a stone that's in the previous Pasuk is the word Shma for that reason. There are six names on each stone. 25 letters on each stone. There are six words in Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. 25 letters in that entire line. There are six words in Baruch Shem Kavod Malchusel Leolam Boed. And there are 24 letters we're going with the gematria of one off, and that's fine. 24, 25 letters that are part of Baruch Shem Kavod Malchus and that's what that represented. In other words, that that Shema Yisrael, the Yaakovinu said, allowed them to be Zoha to everything that Yaakovinu wanted them to have. That Surah Mor says this is the secret behind Yaakovinu's dream of the Sulam, where the 12 stones that he was sleeping on became one. The Shvatim would always be connected to one another through the Kohen Gadol, that's Yaakovinu, and is a Voda on Yom Kippur. These stones were a zikaron for that great vision. The stones went around Yaakov's head for that reason. That was zikaron to be raised up in front of Hashem. You know, I always like thought it was super interesting that Yaakov woke up and he had 12 stones that he put under his head as a pillow for some reason to keep him away from wild animals, which is not a very effective way of keeping wild animals away from you, right? And he wakes up and all of a sudden he sees like, oh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, amazing. The 12 stones turn into one. I would have been okay with like one pillow. <laughs> like That would have been a little bit easier than having 12 stones right under my head. For that reason, the Tiferes Yonas and Rav Yonas and Ibshit says, it was Tishabov, and that there's a minig in Klal Yisrael to sleep with your head on a rock on the night of Tishabov, right? I don't know anyone that does that. Baruch Hashem, I did, I was once talking to my Rebbe about sleeping on Tisha B'Av and saying how I take away a pillow. 
because that's what my my parents always did. They took away one pillow, and I ended up saying like, "Yeah, I was I, I took away a pillow, and like I just don't sleep the same." And he's like, "You sleep on a bed?" And I looked down, and I'm like, "No, <laughs> obviously not." And I was like, "Man, do I have to sleep on the floor from now on?" I have been doing it since then. It has not been gishmak. But anyway, regardless, that is something that they had on that. But it's possible also that the dream happened on Yom Kippur. That's from possibly, I don't remember, I think it's a Redal in Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer. The Mashiloch says a Kaddish Baruch Hu is called Chacham Harazim. We make a bracha when you see 600,000 people to make the bracha of Chacham Harazim. It's based on the Gemara brachos, Nun Chasim Aleph. It's because he created everybody with very, very different opinions and very, very different ideas. There's no two people that are exactly the same when it comes to stuff like this. Some people feel that Jews should be more private about what they have, more insular, and not be reaching out and going to everybody else, while others think you should spread out everywhere and try to find the spark of the Yid wherever you go. Think like, you know, I don't know, like Toldus Aaron versus Lubavitch, you know, like that idea of like each guy has their own thing. No one can say that one is better than the other, at least nobody normal can say that. There are very, very, very great people who felt the need to make machaz when they felt that machaz had to be made, right? But regardless, nobody has the right to be able to say one is that. And it seems sometimes that the two sides can never coexist with one another. That there's no way that somebody who's so divergent in the way that they think should be the same as somebody else who has this one way of thinking. It just doesn't seem like those things work together. But that's the idea of carrying the stones of Claudius Yisrael. Yeah, obviously, there are 12 stones representing every Shevet and the different types of attitudes and ideas that each one of the Shvatim might have. But they come together on the same stone up above. And that's what we started off with, that Yosef at Tzadik was able to get them together and bring them in some way and connect them with one another. Aaron's Lave Tov. And that's what Aaron was. The Oev Shalom, the Rodev Shalom of Klai Yisrael helped everyone find their place in this world. Elu Elu Divri Chaim. As long as you're going with the Torah itself and not trying to deviate from what HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us within the Torah, there's that concept. And that's the point of the Kisvei Eifod, connecting the Choshen to the Eifod in the back, allowing the two parts that are very different from one another to be connected to one another. The Rabbini Yol says the word Zikaron is spelled without a Vav both times in the Pusik. It's a Zikaron, it's a remembrance, but it's not a full remembrance. And that's because there will be times when the Choshen and the Eifod will not be able to help us out. Obviously, within the folds of the Choshen, we have the Urimitumim. The Urimitumim allowed the Kohen Gadol to see certain things and know certain things that others did not know. But at some point, that's going to stop. Whether that's by Yisheni, when the Urimitumim was not brought back according to the Gemara Yuma, or even after the times of David Melech. If you notice in Tanakh, there is not one use of the Urimitumim after David Melech uses it. David Melech uses it three times, I think, in Tanakh. Three times that we know of. But all of a sudden, Shlomo Melech is looking for the Shamir worm and the Gemara and Gittin, Daf Samach Zayin. And what does he not use? Doesn't use the Urim Vitumim to find out where it is. He gets demons to do it. He finds demons and asks the demons, how am I supposed to cut the stones without metal instruments? How am I supposed to do the different things that I have to do in the base of Mikdash without metal? He has demons to the point where he has to find Ashmadai, king of the demons, with Ben Yo, Ben Yo Yada, in order to find him. Why didn't he use the Urim Vitumim? 
And from there, it seems that the Urim Etumim had already stopped working after David HaMelech. I'd love to hear a Raya otherwise. I don't have a Raya otherwise. If I remember, I think somebody says that on the page. I think there in Gittin, the Chochmas Menoach or the Poras Yosef, somebody says it right there, that this was the last time, the last time it was used was by David HaMelech, and they never used the Urim Etumim after that. But if there's a Raya, if anybody has a single Raya that they used the Urim Etumim after that point, we know it was Ganus with the Aron Kodesh by Yoshia about... 50 years before the base of Mikdash was destroyed, give or take. So we know that happened. But if there's a riot that Rimtum was used after that point, I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. I just don't have it. And the Rabbeinu Yol says that's the idea. It's a Zikaron, but not for very long. It's not going to be the full Zikaron because it's going to be missing something soon after that. There's a few interesting Ramazim that come out from these Pesukim. The Balatrim says there are two times in the Torah when the word Shemosam is used with the extra vav, we quoted Rabbeinu Yoel about that at the very beginning, that it means that the names have to be written in full. But he says the other place is by the Meraglim. Shemosam here is with a vav, and Shemosam there is with a vav. There are other places where the word Shemosam appears without a vav, but these are the only two. And it tells about the, the Meraglim before they went to Eretz Yisrael. And that's to tell us that the Meraglim were kosher. They were tzaddikim at the time when they left, even though they messed up later on, because they were chosen by Moshe Rabbeinu. The extra vav indicates their tzidkus. Just like the shemos of the shvatim was when they were tzaddikim and they did the right thing, so too the meraglim were as well, and that's hinted to over here. The Maloa Omer, shockingly, says that also hints to the fact that the neshamos of the shvatim were misgalgil. They came back in a gilgal to the neshamos of those meraglim to help them not sin. It unfortunately didn't work. The chirachavshis is a strong thing. And even with the neshamos of the Shvatim trying to influence them for the good, they still did what they were going to do. <coughs> but the idea is, <coughs> excuse me, when they did it, when they sinned, the Nisham was left forever, and it's hinted to from this Pusik itself. That's where it comes from. Rabbeinu Ephraim, I, I couldn't even believe this when I saw it. Rabbeinu Ephraim says that the Rashi Tevos of this Samta, Eshtehuavanim, is the word Veisha. Because this hints to the Gemara and Kiddush and Chav Tazimabes, that when you marry, you should first marry a woman and then be Yosek in Torah. That a person... You ever have the feeling when you got to sneeze, but you're looking at lights and somehow it doesn't work? It doesn't work unless it's... I, I don't know if fluorescents work for that. Anyway, regardless, right? It seems like that's a machlokas over there. Maybe that's what it's hinting to over here. So this is a, a very great story just to end off with. One time a young man from Brisk came to see the Chafetz Chaim. Before he said anything, he told the Chafetz Chaim that he had a message from the rub of his town, from Rechaim Brisker. He wanted to tell him a message from Rechaim Brisker. Chafetz Chaim asked him if he had anything else to say other than Shalom. Was there something more than Shalom? Or you have an actual message? And the young man looked really embarrassed. He was urged, so the Chafetz Chaim kept going up to him, tell me, tell me, what did Rechaim Brisker say? What did Rechaim Brisker say? And finally he said, my Rebbe said, he cannot wait for the day when he sees the Chafetz Chaim running around barefoot with a white shirt over his small breeches, carrying stones on his shoulders. And that was like a perfect description of what it meant to be in Siberia back in the day. Like to be in these light shirts, not wearing coats, and working with stones on your shoulders, right? That's what it was like in Russia. So it sounded terrible. So he didn't, the guy obviously didn't understand, and he told the Chafetz Chaim, that's what Chaim Brisker said, right? That's the idea. The Chafetz Chaim, however, answered new, he said, how have I? I should be a coin hediot. He said, I should just be a coin hediot. He obviously understood that the remez that he was telling him is that he should become the coin gadol. 
wearing just the linen breeches, which are the mechnasayim, the ksones, which was the regular, the regular shirt, carrying stones on his shoulders would have been the kisfeya ephod that were up there on his shoulders themselves. Halavai, I could be just a coin hedyot, said the Chafetz Chaim. That's what he's referring to. But it's an interesting line, the little stones on his shoulders themselves. We'll stop with that, everybody. Have a great Shabbos.